Kowalski Farragut, and this is The Poet and the Poem from the Library of Congress. The series is produced by Forest Woods Media Production, post-production by Mike Turpin, MET Studios. We wish to thank the Library of Congress for making the program possible. Funding is provided by the Sinipid Fund, the Revada Foundation of the Logan Family, Natalie Canavore, and Sandy Jackson-Cohen. Our engineer is Mike Turpin, and I'm Grace Cavalieri. Welcome to Film at 11 here on your community radio, KBOO Portland. KBOO is a volunteer-powered community platform, which means we are funded by you, the listener. Today, we're joined once again by Matthew of KBOO's Gremlin Time and Lisa Neville of Cortland University in New York to reach into the past and look at the films of French comedian Jacques Tati. Uh, this is Matthew, and I'm here with Lisa Neville from uh, the English department, Portland University, Cortland, New York. And we're going to talk about a couple of the movies by uh, Jacques Tati. Last week, we played a review I did of Tati's second feature, Monsieur Hulot's Holiday. And this week, we're going to talk about the next two films that he made. And these are all included in a nice Criterion set that's been out for about 10 years now. And we want to talk about Tati today as a filmmaker and really go into a couple of his films in more detail. Lisa had been doing a class on children in film, and I felt that this might be something she'd want to show to students in this class. Because what, you were showing like uh, The Red Balloon? uh, Started with The Red Balloon. We saw Yvonne's childhood. Avoir les enfants. We did yeah. see that. Yeah. And we did see uh, Elephant. Oh, right. Because we oh included, I, I oh included Adolescence later on. So that was, um, you know, hometown Portland filmmaker, the, one, of the, one of the best American filmmakers of the late 20th century, 21st century. You know, and in his way, Gus Van Zandt, he's mm. similar to Tati and he's having a unique vision and a unique way of, of presenting the film because that movie is all big, long takes. It's kind of like a, a very dark Tati movie where it's open and you find one character to another and 
Well, it's the arc. It's the yeah. time, the way that time keeps looping in on itself. That is a, a, a splendid film. And you're right. It's really, it's really unique and distinctive. And that's what Tati is, right? You're, you're absolutely right. So Mon Onc is really interesting to me because Monsieur Hulot is not the main character as the title implies the point of view. If there is a point of view in Tati, and that's what's interesting to me about Tati, because he seems to be a filmmaker who completely dispenses with point of view. But if there is one, it's the little boy whose uncle it is. Right. Now, Hulot first appeared <clears throat> in the previous movie, On Vacation, on the Normandy coast, and a very funny film. So now here... Almost eight years later, uh, I think Tati had a, a bad auto accident in that time and his hand was crippled somewhere. Yes. So he isn't as physical comedy in Mononc as he is in uh, Hulot's Holiday. And, but it's a deeper film about children, about parents, but also about life in a mechanical age where the space conducts how people live their lives. So the movie really isn't about children in any kind of conventional sense, but in the sense that the film looks at the way that people are forced to live and inhibit their natural human uh, tendencies to interact and behave by the mechanized environments in which we're, we're that we're continually building and relying on. So in that sense, the child is important because the child, you know, it demonstrates very uninhibited human behavior. I mean, that's what children do. You know, it, as we grow up and we become adult, we learn to conform uh and rein in your behavior in order oh to conform to society's expectations. One of the unique aspects of Tati's films is that there is very little dialogue and there is not the conventional narrative arc. So we have very little plot, we have very little dialogue. What we have is moments. We have moments and activity that are, you know, ongoing and that create the story. The opening scene is in front of a factory. And they're working. And, and they're working. Yeah. And there's construction and that there's there's signage outside the factory that you would expect to see, yeah. But the signage instead of uh, contain instead of the content of the signs being the names of the uh, of the places, they're the titles. Yeah, the title and the credits and who's done what and the director and well the, the cinematographer and the costumer and all that stuff. The and titles. so. Right. And the, the background is all construction noise. It's hammering and stuff. But then that drops and the music comes in. And we have like a town square in a French village and dogs are running around and it's early in the morning. And we've got this nice music and we established that in the old place, there's like garbage cans left out and the dogs can like sniff around and find stuff. But then they cross this this place where things have been torn down, but nothing built yet. And they enter the new neighborhood and everything's clean and there's nothing on the streets. And the dog, we follow one little dachshund as he goes into this house. And now we meet the Arpels. We look how the wife is dressed and she's always cleaning things up. 
And then the, the man has to stand out and smoke his cigarette in a grand manner before he, he's handed his briefcase and she she's polishing his car as he's driving off. It's all, it's very satirical. They're making fun. So it's not like a, a realistic movie at this point, is it? I disagree. It's yeah. not satirical. Okay. We have, we have, you're right. We have character, but as in classic comedy, the character is not meant to be a full human character. It's meant to represent an aspect of being. But just because you have a character who is partial doesn't mean that it's meant, we meant to read him satirically. It's not exactly satire. That's what's hard to understand about Tati. And he said about Mononc that people read it satirically and that he felt he had gone astray. And I don't think he intended it to be a satire. And I don't think we're supposed to read the Arpels as satirical. They're a bourgeois couple. Yeah. Who are post-war oriented towards the accumulation of material goods and the adoration of machinery and of mechanized living and so to some extent there's a very gentle mockery they're hypocrites they're status conscious they're they're completely captivated by the mechanized world they only know themselves as other people see them they have no interiority so in that sense they're entirely you know fit the bourgeois stereotype but yet you feel kind of sorry for them yeah yeah and their their house that they're so proud of it's absolutely open and they're proud of that and like and, uh, and well, they, uh, they have to be yeah. seen because they yeah. don't exist it's like like warhol said you know in the 60s and as we're living out today in the age of social media you don't exist unless other people are looking at your life and judging it now this movie from 1958 and very much foretelling that. So now we've introduced to this family and the little boy, and then we uh, get uh, the idea of his uncle. And this leads us in back to the older part of town. And here's all the people are out on the square. And here's Tati's very democratic comedy uh, style here. We'll hold on the wide shot and there'll be different people will be doing different things all over the place. And then uh, you, you were mentioning how much you like how, with the, how they establish the, the casuality of everybody. Like, isn't a woman like buying fruit from the, or vegetables from the vegetable seller? But he's like sitting across the street at the cafe having some wine. And she's like holding up, like, Do you get this? You know, she's shouting across the street. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And, and then we see, we meet, finally meet uh, Monsieur Hulot who lives in this old building and he has to climb a bunch of stairs and go down around a hallway or so. And we see this all from a, a sh shot from the outside. And so we're introduced to the this character from the previous film from what, four or five years earlier, uh, Monsieur Lowe's Holiday. So now here he is with the raincoat and the hat, the Trilby hat and the umbrella and the, su and the, sh the pants that don't quite go down to his ankles and, the, and his funny walk that he has that you know became very popular that so we should introduce monsieur hulot as a, a comedic icon i mean this character became extremely popular and people loved this character and wanted more of him and tidy after monolk never wanted to 
revisit this character again and did some actually really interesting things with him in playtime. But um, one of the things, you described him really well. So he has a very distinctive dress. He has a very distinctive walk. He rarely says anything. Um, But, and, and in this way, he's been likened to Chaplin's little tramp because he has the same same distinctive clothing, the same distinctive walk, but they're very, very different types oh, yeah. of characters. The tramp has a very definite point of view, and he has a fully fledged emotional life. You know, he cries, he laughs, he desires, you know, he gets angry, he's hurt, he's every you know, he's he's a he's every man. Monsieur Hulot is no man at all. He has no point of view. He has no, we, we know nothing about his desires, about his subjectivity. As far as we know, there is no subjectivity. I wouldn't be surprised if you open that raincoat and there was nothing but a mechanical man there, which is kind of interesting because he's supposed to stand for that which is opposed to the mechanized way of life. But he's very flat, very flat indeed. He moves through life and in his wake, Chaos seems to yes, ensue, yeah. right? Which is right. what it's funny. <laughs> he doesn't but, but seem nothing, to cause it. But he never reacts to it at all. <laughs> There's a scene in Mononc when the, uh, well, the, the way uh, he is introduced is like the, the father takes the boy to school on his way to work in his fancy American car. And he drops the boy at school. Uh, his uncle comes to the school and picks him up and they walk back to his house. There are some other boys going in the same direction. And so the boys get up to stuff. And and here I just want to kind of describe kind of how Tati sets up the joke. Um, you've got cars back to back traffic and you, the boys are walking along this sidewalk. And so one of them's got a the lid of a garbage can and he says, okay, to his pal. And this pal goes up to one of the cars, puts his foot on the bumper and then they like, the one hits the thing to make a noise. The other one hit, pushes down on the bumper. And then we cut to the driver. He's like, he thinks he's been hit. And he gets out. He said, I'm not a cab driver. This is horrible. I'm not, and he gets to the other driver and he starts giving him a piece of his mind. Now, the camera is wide. You know, in an American film, we'd be cutting back and forth from, you know, a close-up of the, the guy who thinks he was hit and the other driver who's innocent. But no, we're we're pulled back and we're looking down and we see the back of the car that he thought was hit. And he's talking to the driver and the driver says, look, your car is fine, there's no damage. And you see the guy turn and look and this is all within the frame and you see there's nothing there. And then he notices the boy standing on the sidewalk. And you can see in his expression, even though he's practically just in profile, because we're looking kind of over his shoulder, He's kind of like putting it together in his head. And so, you know, you kind of think, well, he probably got up the same stuff when he was that age. So he just forget it. So he gets back in his car. So the boys walk on down the street. Now we're inside looking at the driver of another car. The car shakes. There's the sound of the crash. Now we know what's happened. He gets angry. So he goes back and he's getting at this woman who's in the back car behind him. She's totally unaware. She says, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, you have the lights and they work and the turning signals. You're supposed to stop and you're supposed to. He's being very patronizing, I thought. But then this other woman, whom it turns out to be a character in the film, the neighbor of the Arpels, she says, no, no, it's those boys over there. They did it. 
And they, the boys suddenly realize they've been caught and they like turn off and run. And he, he calls them little brats or something like that. And so then Hulot comes along and he's sort of looking after where they go. And he kind of bends over to look at something. Well, the car coming up behind the woman, a jalopy with smoke coming out of it, probably bad brakes. Hulot is gesturing in a way that the driver thinks he's pointing something out. And he like goes and looks out the at what Hulot's pointing at and ends up running into the car that the woman was in. And so now we cut to the woman and she's like, she feels the jolt of the hit and she looks over and sees a little boy there and she says, you're very naughty. So she just thinks it's the kids pulling a joke on her. And it isn't until a couple of scenes later, we see that the back of her car has been bunched in. So that's the kind of way the humor is built up in a, in a Tati film, in like a typical Hollywood comedy, the way you'd have a close-up of this and then a close-up of that and then you'd have a two-shot and you're absolutely right there's not no eyeline matches no shot reverse shots none of the usual apparatus that leads us to understand the chain of cause and cause and effect and that's what i mean by a film that's virtually without point of view i mean of course naturally the camera has to be somewhere wherever the camera is is the point of view but there's no subjective or psychological point of view whatsoever there's just these really wide open shots in which we are roaming around and um, picking up what we pick up and then in playtime that's taken to a much greater degree and you are listening to film at 11 here on community radio kboo portland please consider becoming a member today now we return to Matthew and Lisa discussing Jacques Tati and his screen character, Monsieur Hulot. And so um, this is Monong from 1958. His next film wouldn't come out till almost 10 years later. And this is considered his masterpiece. This really is a masterpiece. Playtime is just such a tour de force. It's one of these you have to see a couple of times to pick things out. Cause you're like, you're used to seeing this one thing and then you'll notice there's something else going on. And as we said, uh, Tati was a little tired of the Hulot character and uh, he had to like m- have the character in the movie to get it financed, I guess. And so he kind of pokes fun at that by having other people who look like Hulot in the trilby hat, the pipe, the the coat and the, the pants and everything. And they kind of run throughout the movie. The film opens in a place that we're not quite familiar what it is. And it turns out it's an airport. And we pick out a group of American uh, women tourists and they're on some sort of commercial junket or some sort. And so we follow them as they they get into a bus and we pick out this one woman like the only woman who isn't wearing a hat and her name is Barbara and we kind of get the sense that she's really expecting to see something of Paris on this trip and so they get into a bus and they go into Paris and all it is is glass and steel and concrete the the landmarks of Paris are reflected in the in the door a glass door that's open at one point somebody a workman goes up to a guard to ask him for a a light off of his cigarette and the guards gesturing to no you have to walk over here because it turns out there's a glass wall between them and we get these all these sorts of jokes about glass walls 
And it's only at about this point that Hulot appears. He like comes out of a bus and he has an appointment with somebody and he he talks to the guard and the guard calls up and the guy walks down and Hulot has to wait for the guy to arrive. And then once he gets there, they take him into another room that's all glass and he has to wait there. And we start to get the sense of this maze that the office building really is. Well, I was going to say, it's like the spaces are dictating the functionality. Instead of people's deciding, I have a purpose, I have an intention, I'm going to create a space that will allow, support that intention. We have the space dictating to people what how they can function. And this is Sean Merrill. This man is trying to... Hulot's trying to meet this man, and then gets called away. They're like trying to talk. Oh, just a second. Somebody comes up to him and he turns away from Hulot. Hulot's standing there and he sees this alcove. And so he like wanders in. Maybe there's like a drink of water. No, it's an elevator. Somebody comes in, pushes the button, the door closes, and zoom, he's up at the top floor. And then the other guy turns around, is looking for him. And so for the first half of the movie, they're trying to find each other. He's walking one place, and it, there's like this maze. There's an iconic shot of Hulot looking from a mezzanine over the the office cubicles. And there's people in each one, and there's some little thing going on in each one. Hulot is trying to find the guy. He sees him in the, it looks like he's crossing the street. No, it's actually just his reflection. And Hulot ends up in the building next door. And now we're in a retail situation. They first think he's a customer. And then they think he's one of the salesmen. Or then they think he's somebody spying on the uh, company. That, you know, just one thing after the other. And this is just the first part of the film. And all the while that the real Paris is, of course, because Paris is an old and beautiful city with history and art and culture and all of that. And all of that is sort of uh, alighted. And the, this tour bus of people, what's so funny is that instead of going to Sacré-Cœur or, you know, the steps of Momad or any, you know, or some beautiful tree-lined, ca- you know, st- rue where they can have a ca- cafe. No, they go to these modern steel stores that sell these modern mechanized devices and they listen to salesmen to show them the modern devices just like they could do in new york or los angeles or london or anywhere else in the world it's really funny and so barbara is in this group that's touring these different uh, events and hulot is there and they kind of see each other uh, a little bit through this uh, first part of the movie and then there she's off back to her hotel and things are closing and so hulot gets on the bus and mistakenly, as somebody with a lamppost that they bought, or a, a, a standing lamp, uh, Hulot mistakenly grabs it, thinking it's the post in the bus. And then when that guy gets off the bus, Hulot ends up walking off the bus and is like, now he's off the bus somewhere. And this leads to an amazing sequence, which I've forgotten about, where he meets this other man who was in the army with him. And you know, earlier, somebody had, had talked to him and said that they were in the army together. And so he comes up to Hulot and he says, how are you doing? And back and forth. And so why don't you come up to my apartment for a drink? And so Hulot go, they go into this apartment building and we've been set up the idea of the glass walls. So the man goes into his first floor apartment, but the camera stays outside and we hear the sounds of the street and occasionally some passengers come by. They go into the apartment and it's like the 
the department store display, but no, their whole wall is a glass wall. And they just, he's introduced his wife. And it's only, we don't hear what they're saying, but the camera is placed that on the left hand, you see this, the, the wall and then the, the glass and then the people inside in that apartment. And then to the right, we see inside another apartment. And in that apartment, we see the man who Hulot was trying to meet up with. It's a 10 minute shot. Yeah. Where the camera is outside the apartment building. Their walls are all glass and you can see them inside. You can see him waiting and talking to people. Of course, he never he never meets the person he's supposed to meet in that apartment. He just their family talks to him for a while. Yeah. And, and then you see the apartment next door. And you see the woman come home from work and you see her watching television, although you never see the television. And then you see the man come home and you see him take off his clothes. And of course, it looks like she's watching him take off his clothes. So sense of voyeurism is very yeah. strong. It, it's carried over from on all because one of the themes in this modern mechanized world is that we're continually being surveyed. And of course, again, here he is, Tati being extremely prescient because we now we live in a world of, you know, where everyone is under surveillance all the time. So not only are people, uh, do people have to feel, get so much of their esteem from being looked at and at the same time, they're also being constantly under threat because they're continually being looked at. Then this leads into an even more amazing sequence. Now, we, Hulot is like in this apartment, but then they're like going to get out home movies. But he's like, oh, no, I have to go. And, you know, like we don't know what exactly they're saying, but we know what they're saying. And so he leaves. And then the man he was trying to find, he has to take the dog out to walk. And they end up meeting up out on the street and talking about what they needed to talk about. And they just kind of go off screen and do that. We then go to the hotel where the American tourists are saying, and it looks like Barbara is getting ready to go to bed. And you almost think, well, this is the end of the movie. This was the day, but no. We, she hears this announcement that the, the tour of Paris nightlife is about to leave. Anybody better get ready. And so the maid comes in and she's just pressed her dress for her. And she's got this nice green dress on. And they're going out to this restaurant, the Royal Garden Inn or something. And we cut to that restaurant. And so the last hour of the movie is what happens at this restaurant, which is not ready to open. There's still construction going on. And the guy is on the phone saying, yes, we're going to open. We're opening tonight. Yes. And, and the workmen are still there. And the people, the first couple shows up. And of course, the workmen are like, oh, oh, let's get the paper up and move out of the way. We can't be seen. The workmen can't be seen. So I think, again, so this this last half of the movie in, during, in this huge restaurant scene shows us how much Tachi is focusing on the present moment and how uncertain the moment is. Even though this is, of course, a very carefully planned film, there's a sense that we're watching it that we don't know what to expect at each moment because there's no intentionality. There's no flow from the past no. to the present. Yeah. There's no drive to go from here to there. And also, as we see in the restaurant scene, satisfaction in the present is continually deferred. They never get to eat. There's an no, hour. 
the people come to the the waiters come to the table they prepare the food at the table they bring them the food nobody ever eats nobody ever gets fed even though that's the whole point of going to a restaurant and you know it, it, it's true in almost every activity like Matthew was just describing we believe that Mr. Ulo is supposed to talk to this man but of course we spend the whole first part of the movie he never gets to see him and then when he finally does see him it's off stage in a way it's all it's still deferred we don't know yeah. if it ever re resolves nothing resolves That's so this is playtime and it's a movie to enjoy over and over again and if you can see it in the big screen it's definitely one to see and so it's from 1968 and it's included in this very nice set from criterion which has all of uh, tati's films in it um and great uh, supplements as well. There's there's some essays as well as some different uh, uh, critiques of uh, Tati and the films within the discs here in this uh, nice Criterion set that uh, Professor Neville and myself have been talking about. But Playtime is just so amazing. The whole thing is shot pretty much in widescreen. Oh, one thing you didn't mention, it was shot in 70 millimeter yeah. and originally was shown in 70 millimeter at the theaters. And it just has this completely rich depth to it, and which is why you have to see it several times because there's so much to look at. Um, oh, and we mentioned that he went broke making it. it he built oh, an actual office buildings to supposedly be used as office buildings after the film. But we should actually. Yeah. So, but Playtime, although it's the masterpiece of his career, it destroyed his career because he spent, it was the most expensive film ever made in France up to that time. And it didn't come anywhere near recouping its losses. And he just really had a hard time making another film. Um, partly because he's such an insanely meticulous filmmaker that instead of using Paris, which was right there for him to use, he built Paris yeah. outside of Paris. He built his own Paris and it cost a fortune. And so that's, uh, these are the films of Jacques Tati, uh, Bonong and uh, Playtime. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Lisa. And thank you for listening to Community Radio KBOO Portland. Film at 11 will be back next Friday, so until then, keep watching the screens.
You are tuned in to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming on the web at kboo.fm. Thank you for tuning in to KBOO Community Radio during the special programming campaign, All Thrills, No Frills, Volume 3. This February and March, you will hear different marathons and series all brought to you.